You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Alexa, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday, one more podcast after this one coming up for this week worth of Locked On Pelicans. And I got a fun interview today with Chris Barnwell, formerly of CBS Sports, writer for Hire, currently Hire the Man. Uh, as we kind of dive into a number of different topics, we do look at the Pelicans in his power rankings for CBS. They came in eighth. That's really good if you're a Pelicans fan. He gives us some insight behind that. We kind of dive into Rondo and the revelation that came out from Joel Myers the other day that Rondo basically gave the Pelicans five minutes to kind of match an offer uh, that the Lakers had thrown out to him, which they weren't really ever going to be able to do. So hence why he's gone now. Talk about that. Look at a couple of other things, kind of just an interesting high-level discussion of the Pelicans. And then we get to have some fun with it where we talk video games and esports. Both things which I love, Chris loves as well. So we get to kind of dive into that, talk about maybe some of the future with that, some different games that you've seen. Most recently, Overwatch had their finals, and that was on ESPN. That's a really big deal, and this is just kind of a big deal for things maybe going forward. So we talk about that as well. So we kind of went all over the place, had a lot of fun with that. So we're just going to kind of dive right into that interview here in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. And joining me now on Locked on Pelicans, I've got Chris Barnwell, formerly of CBS Sports, current writer for Hire. Chris, thanks for taking some time during this period where, like, literally nothing is going on in the NBA world. It is the actual desert right now. I've always called August designated vacation month. I, I saw like, even s- NBA teams are on vacation. <laughs> I saw, saw a couple writers were like, cool, not going to see you guys for a month or two. Goodbye. And then I forget who it was. And he was like, I wish... You know, the season started now, and I'm like, I need a break. You know, it goes, it gets <laughs> long throughout the year doing all of this stuff. I love Sean Hyken and Matt Moore. They're insane. Yeah, they're that's insane, who like, it was. Oh, they, they miss basketball. Well, it was. Both of them, I love those guys, but they're insane. Yeah, it was funny. Also, is Twitter jail still a thing, by the way? Because I, Matt Moore tweets so much and loves talking about this so much that he used to just get thrown in there all the time. I used to be someone that got thrown in Twitter jail a lot in my earlier Twitter days, and I don't know if that's a thing anymore. <laughs> Either that is, or, like, we, I, like, I feel like we haven't you tweeted have to, like, less, right? I think what you have to do now is you basically have to look like a spammer. Like, you have to tweet a bunch of people all at once at an absurd, like, at a level that's impossible for, like, any actual person to do. Like, you have to look like a spammer. Yeah, I get it. and then they just went through like waves of bands for all that, which is funny for other reasons that we we don't need to get into on here with that. <laughs> are, you about, are you about to say you uh, lost a bunch of followers recently? I, I did not lose. I, I mean, I probably lost like a couple, but also I really don't care how many followers I have. So like lo- lose them all and like whatever, I'm still going to tweet. I just kind of scream into the void and luckily the void doesn't scream back at me. But yeah, a lot of people lost a lot of followers, which is kind of funny to me in a weird way. But uh, that's a little uh, let's let's not continue that one before we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah, we're gonna 
it's it's just is what it is. All right. So in your most recent power rankings uh, for CBS, you had the Pels eighth, and this is why we want to talk about this because that's pretty good. And what is like? What's the rationale as we now shift our discussion to actual basketball for putting them there? Like, how'd you? What so? What goes into making power rankings that everyone's gonna hate and scream at you over? And then, like, how did the Pels come to be eighth in this? Okay, so my policy for power rankings was always kind of, I'm not a fan of the these are the best teams currently because eventually you reach a point where the best teams are always the best teams at that moment and there's nothing that you're ever going to do about it. Because if I went by who's the best team every single week, the Warriors would always be number one every single week, even when you, even in weeks they lost. Like That would just be a factually correct statement and I would not be able to change it. That's boring. So what I try to do is I try to take things like, okay, Yes, this team might be playing well at this moment, or this team might look good at the moment, but how do they look around? Like, is momentum on their side? Are they trending forward? Are they trending backward? Are they – did they do something good? Did they do something bad? Like, the Lakers are a really good example. They set themselves – I did power rankings twice over since the uh, season came to an end. Before free agency period, I rose them up from – even though they had a very, very bad regular season – well, they had a solid regular season, but they weren't a good team – the Lakers are a good example where they were a very good team. I still rose them because they were setting themselves up for having a very solid free agency period. They were in LeBron James rumors. They had a lot of cap space. They had a lot of flexibility to make moves. Then they went out and signed LeBron James. So I had to move them up to 10th because how can you put a team that just signed LeBron James any lower than the top 10? That's absolutely insane. Yeah, Even I agree though, with that. At the same time, they also signed Rachel Rondo. Michael Beasley, Lance Stevenson, and JaVale McGee, none of those players who I think pair particularly well with LeBron. Also, no one who can really shoot. (laughs) Right. On a team that already had shooting problems. So if the Pelicans, I try to look at it like this. Okay, how'd they finish the regular season? They smoked the Blazers, and, I mean, they had an okay second round. They didn't have a fantastic second round. They had an okay second round. But their their big thing they did was they smoked the Blazers to high health. How do they look going into the offseason? They had some questions with Marcus Cousins. They had some questions with Rajon Rondo, but they were kind of set up with what they wanted to do. All they really had to do was not have a disaster of an offseason. What happens? They lose to Marcus Cousins, but they get Julius Randle. Depending how you feel about Cousins' Achilles, that's a completely understandable move. I'm a big fan of them getting Randle. I like Randle a lot. Letting Rajon Rondo walk after five minutes, apparently. Oh, man. I <laughs> like... five minutes. That sounds like the most Rondo or Rondo's agent, which again, the agent's negotiating, but Rondo was basically like, you got to make them make a decision right now. It's not like this agent went rogue here. That just sounds like something he would do. It's the most raised on Rondo statement ever. All I can assume is the Lakers made that offer and they were like, we can't lose this money. We have to take this deal immediately because the Lakers were just trying to fill out the roster and they were probably worried like, okay, but what if a DeMarcus Cousins-type player becomes available to them? We need to get our money now before this changes any – before they change their minds. So they probably turned to the public and said, look, either match this, give us more, or we're leaving. And they probably said, okay, bye. Yeah, I mean, you can't make a decision like that in five minutes, unfortunately. And also, the Pelicans couldn't offer him any more than the, the entire mid-level. And if he was going to take $9 million in one year, that's more than the Pels could offer him. It's kind of like as simple as that. Right, maybe it was the thing where like they gave him five minutes because it was a simple thing. Like, are you going to pay me more money? No. Okay, bye. 
Yeah. <laughs> and get the bag raised on Rondo. Do what you got to do. Look, I don't, I don't judge any athlete or really almost anyone in any profession for this being like, hey, go get your money if you can. It's, it's, go get it. It's not always going to be there. Carmelo Anthony made $25 million in five days. He is is an incredible person. That dude has never once in his life taken less money, which maybe in the sense of being good for your uh, teams is not the best. But I don't care because that dude has never once shied away from the fact where he's like, no, I'm going to get my max money. I'm going to get what I think I deserve. You're going to give it to me. And then when you're going to ask him to get bought out and take less, I'm still not going to do it. No, not <laughs> I'm going to get $25 million. I'll take less so that I, that I can recoup from the Houston Rockets and leave it at that. But basically, he's not losing like a cent from what he was getting paid before by, by this whole ordeal. And good for him. Why not? You know, it's your body. It's, this is your craft, your trade. This is all you can do. You may as well milk it for all it's worth, just like any of us would. Exactly. And, if, and at the same token, there are players who choose to take less money. Kevin Durant, a lot of people get angry at him because he con- he's consistently taking less money from the Warriors, and there's a lot of anger towards him. They're like, you're helping the Warriors when you really shouldn't be. You're helping the rich owner. That's terrible of you. How dare you do that? I mean, who cares? It's his money. It's his life. Let him do what he wants. If someone wants to take less money for whatever their own personal reason is, sure. If someone like Carmelo Anthony wants to take the most money possible because that's the way he lived his life, sure. Let them live their lives. Let them make their own decisions. They're full-grown adults. Who cares? Yeah. And we so base, we base our analysis on what the teams do, not what the players decide. Yeah. And so Rondo walked after five minutes. And so do you think that's <laughs> it's getting roundabout to everything? Do you think that's good or bad for the Pels, though? I think it's kind of a wash. I don't. That's fair. Rondo's fine. He was better for the Pelicans than I expected him to be. They found ways to make the fact that he wasn't a very good shooter work. They took advantage of the fact that defenses leave him so incredibly wide open that he can hit three-pointers every once in a while to kind of keep you honest, to go, no, don't completely ignore me. And they took advantage of that. He did the whole playoff Rondo thing. It was great. The Pelicans did not make the playoffs last year and smoked Portland because of Rajon Rondo. Nope. They did it because Anthony Davis was – playing out of his mind and drew holiday had the best season of his career that's why they were as good as they were so is it a good thing now at the same time is it a good thing when you lose all role players no but you have to take those sacrifices when you get them especially when they only give you five minutes which is why (laughs) i didn't really punish the pelicans all that much for their offseason i actually did drop them one spot from where they were at the beginning of the offseason because my only gripe i really can have with them and this is more of a situation of circumstance and how no one had money and the players who were available for money were asking for a lot of money. The Pelicans, they kind of just ran it back, which that's okay. They ran it back uh, based on the fact that they had, they looked incredible and they had a great second half of the regular season post cousins, Achilles injury. They, it kind of unleashed Anthony Davis into this player we all wanted to be. And there's a lot of hope there, but it's, we've seen this before. The first time a few years ago when they made the playoffs with uh, they ran they ran the whole same team back and due to injuries and other things they just fell on their face. Exactly, and that's the fear that it's going to happen. Now this time they didn't go out and spend twenty billion dollars on running it back. They were smarter. They were smarter about it. It was more a situation of circumstance than 
like than just thinking, oh, well, we have this great team that's going to keep growing. Continuity is fine, but there's a point where continuity lowers your ceiling, and they didn't do anything to raise their ceiling, and that kind of disappoints me, but I understand it, and I'm not going to punish them too much for it because they finished the season so well, and they did what they could with what they had. I still think they're a good team. I still think they can be a good team. I'll probably be a bit lower on them towards when we get to actual, like, regular season predictions based on um, where the rest of the West is going to pan out. But as far as just taking the entire season, going into the offseason, and looking at what they did, I think putting them eighth is a perfectly fine thing to do. I, th- I mean, if you're a Pelicans fan, listeners, you should be pretty happy about this. That you're the, considered, at least in, in the expert power ranker Chris's eyes here, eighth best team. <laughs> has, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was like, so what, what's, what's the mindset on how you become, now that you're a professional power ranker? Uh, has, have any Pelicans fans gotten mad at you over it? Because I know you get a lot of hate when you throw these out there. I'm sure they have in the past. So I've. I try to like not remember particular fan bases just because every single fan base has gotten mad at me at some point for some particular reason, whatever that reason was. I'm sure I was probably a little harsh on the Pelicans when they were on their second half run, because I'm one of those guys who, when I'm not sure about something, I want to see it first. You can kind of see that in where I rank the Raptors and where I put the Pacers, where you could argue they should be higher than where I put them. But the issue is, I want to see it, and I want to see it happen again. So when the Pelicans were on their latter half run in the regular season where they were starting to really kick it up before the playoffs, I probably took a little bit to get around on them because I was like, okay, let's see. Let's wait. I want to be sure about this. I don't want to fall into just – because teams go on these hot stretches and or if you're Portland, you go on an entire season stretch and then just fall flat on your face in the playoffs. Teams go on these hot stretches where – you kind of buy into that hot stretch and then you forget what the team actually is. And I was worried about doing that with New Orleans with New Orleans because going on a two month hot stretch is not impossible in the NBA. Like that just happens sometimes. Teams go get We've hot and cold, they rise, they yeah. fall. Right. So I didn't want to make myself do that with the Pelicans. So I'm sure there were some fans who got mad at me because I was very hesitant on them at first because I've always been hesitant with them. They're they're an organization where I feel like there should be something more here. I always want to believe there's going to be something more. And then they betray me, and I feel terrible about it. So I'm always hesitant with the Pelicans, just the way I am with them. No, and you and I have talked, um, like, uh, outside of the podcast stuff about this, though, where you, you're still a little bit hesitant based off of what we saw in the second half of the season. It was really just post-All-Star break. And can they kind of keep that going for an 82-game schedule versus, what, the 27-something games that they – or 30-something games that they did it this past year? Right, again. I would need to go look at the schedule against teams that are tanking against teams that are just kind of going through the motions against teams that are resting. Just, I don't want to take away from what they did, but it's easy. I hate to say, I don't know how to say this any better. It's easier to play better in the, after the all-star break than it is before the all-star break. Just when you try bad. (laughs) What? (laughs) I was like, I don't think that was bad. You said that pretty well there. Right. It's just, I don't want, I'm always afraid of taking away from a team that played well because there's nothing worse than when a team's playing well, and there's some guy that comes in and is like, eh, it's not, it's all fake, it's all fraudulent. Like no one likes that, no one enjoys that. Like you want to appreciate when a team is playing well, and you have to, at some point you have to be like, you know, what? it doesn't matter. The results are the results, and for the Pelicans, the results were the results, and they went into the playoffs and they smoked Portland 
and it was incredible for them, like good on them. But at the same time, you kind of have to look at some of the context of when it happened. And then as me and you started talking about towards the end of the year, when Anthony Davis became, his new nickname became questionable to return because it felt like every other night it was, Anthony Davis has suffered an injury. He's questionable to return to the game. He would return anyways and help them. But that is honestly where my biggest concern with the Pelicans is right now is, okay, you let Cousins go. They don't really kind of have a big man replacement. It looks like he might be their center. Can he be healthy enough to play that for an 82-game stretch? I'm a little concerned about that. I really am. Yeah, I, the, the, I think the one saving grace from that might be that you saw Julius Randle play a lot of small ball five for the Lakers when like they actually played their best. And I agree with you. They had a pretty decent year last year. I think it was when he was playing center and kind of even defending other centers. So maybe it keeps AD at the four. But he's still going to play a lot against bigger guys and their switches and things like that. And you can't kind of shy him away from that all year long. Right. I just want them to do what they can at best to keep him at healthy as healthy as they can. And maybe that has to come, come partially on him. Maybe he has to decide, look, I can't just go barrel my way into the, into the paint and get myself hurt. I have to be willing to float out there. I have to be willing to, give the, to let other guys kind of take that beating and then go come off a cut or come off a screen or just do like play a little, not more passive, but a little less aggressive in the sense that be a little more concerned about his own health because it's a long season. He can't just consistently let himself get hurt to the point where his body falls apart because then it doesn't matter what Pelicans have in him. His body will eventually betray him and they're going to have nothing in three years. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And injuries are the great equalizer in everything, particularly in the NBA, where one key injury to one guy, and I mean the season's just done, and certainly for the Pelicans, it's going to be Anthony Davis if that happens. Um, And they, you know, kind of weathered the storm pretty well with, with DeMarcus Cousins last year, but certainly not as important as Anthony Davis is. By the way, everybody, see, there are still things to talk about in this dead period here of NBA basketball. So make sure you still listen to the Locked On NBA podcast Monday through Friday, five days a week, talking about all the things you need to know going on around the association. And of course, I co-host the Wednesday edition of that weekly. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. All right, Chris. Now we get to have a little more fun. No more power rankings, anything like that. It is, again, it's this dead period. We don't need to dive that too deeply into things. But you know what's fun? (laughs) Video games are fun. And competitive video games are fun. And I know you and I kind of share this passion of esports and different things. And I got swept up a little bit. Oh, I love nerding out. This is, again, it's my podcast. (laughs) I get to talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. And (laughs) it might be the Overwatch playoffs, which I kind of tuned into sporadically over the past, what, like two weeks it was. That You and I were tweeting about it. That presentation for that kind of stuff is pretty good. And everyone, I promise I'm going to tie this into like the Pelicans of basketball too. Sure. Something like that. But the presentation is getting really good for it being on TV, I think. The presentation was, it's funny because I used to watch Overwatch playoff or not the playoffs, the esports events before they kind of became the Overwatch League when it was a little less organized before Blizzard kind of took over and made it their own thing. And it used to be so much worse. It used to be where it was just everyone looked the same. Everyone was the same colors. All you could really tell to differentiate them was one team was red and the other team was blue, and it was really hard to follow. When they added that whole thing this year with the overlays that were completely in the team's color of choice. So, like, the finals was the London Spitfire and the Philadelphia Fusion. Philadelphia was orange. 
So everything they did looked orange. And London was a baby blue? Yeah, they were like powder blue. Powder blue works. Yeah, they were like a powder blue. So everything was in that powder blue color. And like like Mercy, she has her little healing beam. Everything she did was in that was in blue and it was very easy to follow that way. Like the presentation was nice. The camera work was great. And I was following Overwatch League for since the very first day of the very first season. And it was incredible how it improved the presentation improved over the years, because at the start of the year, the directors would have this kind of problem where they would focus too much on like one camera and you'd be watching one character the entire time do pretty much nothing while all the and you'd have to be like watching in like the little kill feed in the top right corner, and be like, something's happening. So we're switch over, and you're just watching this character basically stare at a wall, and the director would totally flop there because they were looking for the highlight play or whatever. That got so much better. The presentation improved immensely, and I really liked their decision when they had their couple of playoff games on ESPN this year to just basically take the stream that's on Twitch and put it on ESPN. They didn't have the two separate. They didn't have a separate stream on Twitch and a separate uh, presentation on ESPN. They just made them the same, and it looked great, and it didn't like create this weird thing where it's like, oh, here's the one for the fans that don't really care about this, and here's the one for the hardcore fans. Like, No, it's just, it was all the same. That's good, though. You don't want to kind of fracture your audience, and it's like getting, I guess, the, the casual fan base maybe or casual watchers kind of used to seeing how this is going to go in the future. And certainly, I will, you know, there's a bright future for this sort of thing. What, the Overwatch League, you had to spend $20 million, $25 million to buy a team, something like that? I think to have a slot at, was like 20 to $30 million based on location, the amount of population in that location – popularity so places like new york london and los angeles were going to cost more because those were higher priority locations but somewhere like, like if new orleans were never going to team that would probably fall on the smaller side just because of the lower population in new orleans compared to somewhere like new york and apparently i saw somewhere that's going to increase i think because i guess they had a successful year i think i read ESPN reported like Atlanta's getting a team, and the buy-in slot is going to cost somewhere between fifty to sixty million. So basically, a fuckload of money to try and get involved in this, and <laughs> it's like the best way to put it. And these are guy, the people buying these are pro sports team owners. You probably know the specific names better than I do, but you see these owners think that this is not necessarily like a wave of the future, but there's a lot of money to be made in the future down the line on this. And when you look at something like how popular Twitch is, and I watch Twitch in my spare time for things like that, and I pay attention to big tournaments, and I have going back years to League of Legends in Defense of the Ancients, or whatever it is, and um, those are, I think, again, you can kind of see where maybe in the future this is going to be eclipsing something, I don't know, hockey, because I don't really like hockey, and I'm just going to throw that out there. Congratulations for all the hockey fans that are going to be in your Twitter mentions. Um, I agree, actually, though, about um, – I think some of it is owners are being told esports is growing, which it is, and that esports is going to take over. I don't know if it's going to take over, but it's going to continue to grow and continue to be massively popular. And as smart businessmen, investors, you need to get involved in this immediately. So there's probably going to be a little bit of a bubble, actually, in my opinion, where – all these rich, all these rich assholes just keep like putting money into this thing they don't really understand. And then when it doesn't get the immediate return, there's probably going to be a bit of a drop. And then people are going to have the immediate, oh, is this the end of esports panic? And then it'll bounce back because it'll be fine. Because what's awesome about Twitch and what's awesome about esports is the viewer retention rate is insane. 
the people who go there are going there specifically to watch this event online and they have no need for TV. They are making just all this money just fine on their own through online, retaining viewer retention, getting proper advertising. Everything for them, like everything that's working for them out, everything's working out for them just fine. They have no need for TV to the point where we saw Overwatch League on ESPN and you see that and your immediate thought is, oh, that's great for Overwatch League. They're on ESPN. No, that's great for ESPN. They got Overwatch League. That's how that, sh- that's how that thought process should be working because as TV doesn't, as TV changes, I'm not going to say it's going to die. As TV changes, things like esports are going to rise because they're ahead of the curve. They're part of the future while other sports like the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, they're going to have to adjust to the new wave. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And also, I saw the ratings and ratings on TV and things like that. You can take them for what they are. And if you want to put stock in them to them, you put stock into them. If you don't, you're going to they're say they're Nielsen don't. boxes. Yeah. It's, well, so the ratings weren't great for the Overwatch League, but that's interesting then if someone's still going to buy an Atlanta team for 40 to $60 million, even if the ratings weren't good, basically in their first kind of uh, big stage event, showing that people still see there's real big value in here because, as you said, these probably are going to be better where it's not necessarily people flicking through the channels and tuning into this. But what if the Overwatch League isn't on Twitch and it's only available through ESPN? All of a sudden, you're going to get that entire base tuning into your channel in whatever form it is, whether it is streaming it online or watching it on TV, something like that. And as you said, it's kind of a captive audience and these people are actively seeking this stuff out. Right. Like it's not the same as someone just, I always feel the way TV kind of works. And this is what you mentioned hockey earlier. One of the things that, one of the things that infuriates me about the, the Stanley cup finals is three or four of their games are played on NBC sports network. Why in the world is a final game being played on cable? Yeah. Baseball doesn't do that. Football doesn't do that. Or college football does that with ESPN, but they got a boatload of money to do it. The NBA doesn't do that. NBA played on ABC. Fox is on, or MLB is on Fox. Why in the world is this thing on cable? Because in the way I view kind of TV finals or TV sports work is you want someone you're going to get your hardcore viewers no matter what. You want someone to just turn on the TV, flip up, and go to their guy channel and just see it on there and go, oh, I want to watch that. Twitch doesn't have that capability. Twitch kind of has that same thing where you go to the main page and it might be on there. But typically, these people are going to their computer or their PS4 or whatever. If they're opening up their app or they're opening, going to the webpage, they're going to twitch.tv and they're specifically looking for it. And there's just so much value and you're going to get 86,000, an average of like 86,000 viewers guaranteed of people specifically going to twitch.tv slash overwatch league to watch this like there's value in selling that to advertisers oh it's huge there's a reason ninja makes an unbelievable amount of money per month by basically just playing Fortnite, like an ungodly amount of money for a dude who plays a video game and I, you know, I'm dismissing it like that, and I shouldn't be, and I don't mean to be, because he's doing a lot of hard work, and it's not easy to do that for no, man, I mean, like 16 I, I hours a day. All, I dismiss myself all the time. Like when we sort of, when I was telling people I was writing about the NBA, I was like, "This isn't a job. It's uh, like it's covering basketball for a living." For crying out loud, like I'm watching basketball and reacting to it, and that's my job. Like, no, that that's not a real job. I'm so, I I didn't have a real job. Sorry. Like that. So. <laughs> Ninja, all respects to you. You make money for playing video games, and shouts to you. That's not a real job, but you know what? You get paid for it, so who cares? There, okay, there you go. I like that attitude. That's a good one. 
you you cheated the system like I did. It, and you like an, we don't unbelievable to... amount of money, and it's good for him. Why not? I think you know doing that for as many hours as they do a day is kind of rough. I don't like sitting that long. So, but I get it. It's not like they're, they're building condos across the street from me here right now. It's not like he's out in the whatever it is degree Louisiana heat here in the humidity helping build condos. He's in an air conditioned room playing video games, which are really fun. Video games are fun. I mean, that's what I've basically been doing with all my free time lately. <laughs> <laughs> so did you pay – so the NBA is trying to get into this to a degree with their 2K league, and a, a number of teams have bought into it and have sponsored their own uh, 2K league, like the G League, but for video game players. At one point before they made the changes to the G League salary, it looked like these 2K players were actually getting paid more than the G League players. So the NBA is aware of this too. Did you pay any attention to that at all really this season? Personally, no, but that's mainly because this is one of the weaknesses of esports, and you can kind of probably make this argue. I don't know if this is going to be a long-time issue or if it's going to be an initial issue. Sports are kind of a thing that's in the culture of the world where even if you aren't a sports fan, you might know about a sport. You might watch a sport just because, well, it's sports. What, what's wrong with sports? Like on a Sunday, you might throw on a football game because it's Sunday and there's NFL on. Or Saturday, you might go to a tail. When you're in college, you might go to a tailgate with no interest in college football because LSU is playing Bama. That got, you got to go to that tailgate. That doesn't really exist in esports. If you're not a fan of that sport or that video game, then you're probably less likely to really just tune in just for the just because of it. And it's not that I don't like 2K. I love playing 2K, but competitive 2K that just really isn't my thing. So I didn't really pay attention to it. I played. I paid more attention to Overwatch League this year because I play a ton of Overwatch, probably an unhealthy amount of Overwatch. So that's where my interests were. Well, and so- I wonder. I'm very curious if that's going to be like a, an issue eventually. No, you actually bring up a really good point with that, and that's kind of how I'm a big Formula One guy, and I like racing, but to the casual people, they just kind of watch cars go around a track, and it's like, okay, so what? And you've got to, if you don't know that sport, it's far less interesting to watch than knowing about the tires and how their practices were going and how qualifying went, and that leads all up to the main race day, and maybe some of that stuff's almost more important than the actual race going on, and you've got to kind of know the stories involved with all of that and kind of the nuances, where if you do just go to a football game after tailgating, you can watch an 80-yard touchdown pass and get really excited because you immediately know what's going on, and in something like Overwatch or League of Legends or even in 2K, it's a little bit harder to kind of just sit down and watch it and appreciate all that's going on if you don't really kind of have all that other outside stuff going on with it that you're aware of. Right, and Overwatch in very much in particular where um, – do you follow Phil Ken Saban on Twitter? No, I don't. Nice guy. I suggest following him. Um, he, t- he threw on Overwatch League because he saw it was on ESPN and he liked esports. He was like, heck yeah. But then he had this really funny tweet where he goes, wait, I don't get it. Like, does everyone supposed to have like the same characters always? Because they were on this map where everyone kept picking the same exact characters and they stopped because that was the meta at the moment. There was the double sniper meta. So, of course, everyone's running Hansa Widow all the time. Sorry to everyone I just nerded out on. So, <laughs> that was um, what they were running at that that's what they were running and he got kind of confused like is this what's supposed to happen and that's the issue with that esports is eventually gonna have to overcome is like you eventually need to reach a point to where 
it doesn't matter if you've never played this game. You understand it enough to the point to where you can throw it on and watch it and just get it. Like, and there was a, and there was a sense to where I'm sure you can get some of the stuff. Like it's a first person shooter. What's the point of a first person shooter? Usually kill the other team, but you need to kind of understand like the point of killing the other team and all that stuff to really appreciate it. Cause like you said, with the 80 yard touchdown thing, what's the point of football to get in the end zone? How do you get into the end zone? Well, they just threw an 80 yard touchdown. I understand that like even the most minuscule of people can understand or football fans can understand what that means and why that's valuable. So it's kind of harder to do that transition with esports. Yeah, if if you just don't have a base in the game, it, it's kind of rough to sit down. My girlfriend was watching it with me, and she I've gotten her into Fortnite. That's a big win, and um, she she's tried playing Overwatch. I don't play near as much Overwatch as I used to anymore, but she just had kind of no idea what was going on and couldn't really appreciate it. Where I'm kind of like, this is really cool. This is fun, and because I know the game, I understand a little bit more about what's going on. And like you said, I think that's kind of the big issue, particularly in these like hero based games, where knowing the nuances and how each hero works in their role. And I think the Overwatch League did a good job of kind of explaining how the maps worked and what the goal was. What they had that little kind of like intro thing before. Each one. That was really cool. I really that was great. That. I really liked how they did the explanation at the beginning. So to be like, look, if this is your first time ever watching this ever, at least here's to get a general gist of what's going to happen. Yeah, and you know maybe it's a way of once the team compositions are picked, going running down what each hero does to the audience. But then you're slowing things down, and all of a sudden it's like ten minutes before you start the next match. Maybe that's a way to do it. But yeah, that's kind of what I think is maybe going to be the biggest stumbling block. But Video games are a huge industry, and more and more people are playing them and have grown up playing them. So I think eventually you might see a – there already is, but more of like a mainstream number of people kind of understanding the base level of knowledge of a game. I'm curious what game is going to be the one that takes over and gets really popular mainstream-wise first. Because of, there's always one. Like, I guess for American sports culture, you would probably say baseball was the first sport that really took over and became part of the American sports culture. Like everyone watched baseball. Everyone, it's American as baseball. I'm really curious what game is going to be the one that the first esport that takes over. Is it going to be a fighting game because everyone understands fighting games? Is it going to be a shooter because everyone likes shooters? Or is it going to be something different like a Fortnite or a battle royale game just because it's a little different, just because the presentation is different enough and interesting enough to uh, actually kind of interest the common person yeah that's a good question like is the game already out there or is it not or is like the foundation for one kind of set that's a that's actually we should end on that as we we leave all of the listeners here thinking about everything um we're gonna end on like rhetorical questions uh, and give you guys some homework <laughs> to do to do here so chris thanks so much for coming on with me um let everyone know how they can follow you on twitter you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Barnwall, C-H-R-I-S-B-A-R-N-E-Wall. If you have any interest in seeing me tweet too much about video games or video game related movies. I watched the Street Fighter movie the other night on like last Sunday. That's a bad, enjoyable movie. <laughs> I, I remember being so excited when I was a kid for that coming out. I'm also a big Rao Julia fan. and That was what, his final role, I think, right? That was his final movie, yeah, because he had uh, cancer. Yeah, so it did not necessarily end on the he's highest the best note. Part but, of that movie. Oh, he's by far, he's so over the top in that it's great. It's fantastic. It's like he just, you can just see him being so fed up with everything. Be like, you know what? I'm going to do it this way, and you're just all going to have to follow me. 
I mean, that was like the first, like other than maybe the Adams Family movies, and maybe I'm getting his like filmography wrong, but like that was probably the one he got paid the most on to do, and he was probably just like, yeah, give me this money and I'll play this this role in this really not good movie, and good for you. We talked about you know players doing that earlier on, basically. Get your money, Raul Julia. <laughs> there we go. So again, Chris, thanks for coming on with me. No problem. Thanks for having me. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. We kind of went all over the place there, talking actual basketball with the Pelicans, then eSports, touching on the 2K League that the NBA is going on. And I want to dive into more of that later on. I've got a guest in mind. We'll see if he's available and can come on and talk with me about all of that. Yes, you probably know who you are, and you're going to tweet at me, and that's totally cool, and we will set something up. So it'll be fun. It's the summer we get to discuss what we want on here, and I think this stuff is pretty interesting and worth knowing about. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all next time.